Amen. It was good to be together last week and being reminded of the good news that Jesus has risen from the dead. Uh, and we celebrate that week after week. That's why we always worship on a Sunday together as a church family. And so glad that you're here again uh, this week to celebrate the Lord who is risen and who is Lord over all. We want to submit ourselves to him. We know how desperately we need him. And so uh, today we open up again to the Gospel of John. We started this journey a long time ago. Uh, About three weeks ago, we were at the beginning of John 14. And in John 13, Jesus had made it clear that his time was very short. He was eating the Last Supper with the disciples. He had washed their feet. He let them know the time for him to go and be with the Father was about to come. And in early of chapter 14, this was three weeks ago we looked at this, early on in chapter 14, Jesus tried to comfort his troubled disciples, those who had given up everything to follow him, who had been with him, and now he told them he's not going to be with them in the same way anymore. They were concerned, and Jesus said, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to the Father's house. I'm going to prepare a place for you. You can come and be with me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, and I will come, and I will take you to myself. So he left his disciples with this great hope. You're going to come and you're going to be with me one day. But then in the last half of chapter 14, we looked at this two weeks ago, in the last half of chapter 14, Jesus made it clear that the good news was not just that he was going to take us to be with him someday, but also that he was coming to be with them in the here and now. In fact, Jesus was going to, upon his departure, send to them God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit who would come and dwell in them. Right? And so, so the Holy Spirit known as a counselor, a helper, one who comes alongside them. So not only were they going to go be with God someday, but God was coming to be with them in the here and now. So we looked at that two weeks ago in John chapter 14. Now today we turn to John chapter 15. And we're going to see what are the results of those of us in whom Christ comes to dwell, and those of us who then abide in him, when there is this vital connection between God and his people, what results from that? That's what we're going to look at today. Maybe you're someone like me who really likes to see results. I don't mind working hard at lots of things, but it's a lot easier to keep doing the hard work when we see results, right? And so, Farmers that up until these couple of weeks have been doing uh, have been doing a lot of research, a lot of planning, a lot of figuring out how it is that they're going to uh, which, which seeds they're going to buy, which fertilizer they're going to purchase, all of these things to get ready for this season now in which they're going to plant seeds. That's a lot of hard work to be a farmer, but they do that expecting that the seeds that they plant are going to one day yield a crop, a harvest, something that will that, that will they'll be able to show something for the work that they've put into the ground. Right now, a lot of money is being sunk into some dirt, right? And it's not just because that seems like a really fun idea. Let's spend a lot of money on some stuff and then bury it in the ground a little bit. Well, well the hope is that as we do that, something grows. And the hope is that there'll be a market that somebody wants to buy the stuff that grows in the end, Right? So we like to see results. It was fun this last week. Uh, a number of different things happened over this last week, but one of them was we got to have the Awana Awards night. And so fun to just 
hear kids up on this stage, filling this stage, sharing the Word of God with us in song and just from their memory. And Awana is a ministry in our church that takes a lot of a lot of volunteer hours. And so I'm so thankful for Chris and Tina and the way that they pour themselves and their whole family into this ministry, into the volunteers and the, the, the big team of volunteers that give of their time to plant seeds and to water seeds. And we do that again. We're willing to do that hard work. Why? Because we trust that over time, God's going to bring about some results from this. We might see it right now, and it might not come for years, and we might be dead by the time it comes. But we trust that as we pour ourselves out, as we do the work God calls us to do, there's going to be fruit. In today's passage, we're going to hear a couple of phrases repeated over and over again. And so some definitions quick before I read it. One of the words we're going to hear repeated over and over is the word abide. That's the way the English Standard Version translates it. Some of the other versions translate that word remain. It means to to live in, uh, to be vitally connected to. And so that's what we're going to look at today is how it is that we can have a vital connection to Jesus. And the other word that you're going to see is bear fruit. Okay, That's a typical biblical way of talking about what it looks like to see results. Our hope is that we are connected in this vital relationship with Jesus, not just because that makes us feel better, but because in being connected in a vital relationship with Jesus, He is going to cause fruit to be born. We're going to see results. It's going to make a difference in our lives that we are connected with Him, that He abides in us and that we abide in Him. If that's true, it's going to make a difference. We're going to see results. We're going to bear fruit. And so the big idea today is this. When we abide in Jesus, we will bear much fruit. Okay? Trying to keep it really simple. I think Jesus is trying to keep this passage simple. He's going to use an illustration, a picture. I've actually got a a picture I'm going to show you a little bit later as well. But Jesus is using a picture, an analogy, to help his disciples and to help us to understand how important it is for us to be abiding in, in a vital relationship with Jesus. Because that's the only way we're going to see results come. So, if you're able to, would you stand as we read from John chapter 15, verses 1 to 17, together this morning. Let me pray first, and then we'll read. Father, thank you uh, that we worship and serve a risen Savior, who indeed is Lord of all. And for all of us who submit ourselves to Jesus as Lord, we just ask that right now you would be working in us uh, that which is pleasing in your sight, that you would take my words and you would help them uh, to be pleasing in your sight. You are our Lord. You are our rock. You are our redeemer. And so, God, I pray that you would be at work in all of us uh, as your word is read now and as we seek to understand and then throughout the week as we seek to apply it. In Jesus' name, amen. John 15, 1-17, God's Word says this. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. 
abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask in the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Amen. You can be seated. As usual in your bulletin, there is a sermon notes page, an application guide, and I'd invite you to use that if that's a helpful tool for you. You'll see some blanks to fill in there as we look at point number one of two, and that is the vine and the branches. We're going to see a picture of abiding in Jesus and bearing fruit. So verse one begins. This is a helpful metaphor. Jesus is a good teacher, and he uses lots of metaphors or analogies to help us understand. And he's using one that might have been much more understandable for the disciples he was talking to then than it is for us now. Uh, We don't, I don't know, I was going to bring in, and I was like, I don't have anything uh, that I grow that grows on a vine and then has a branch that comes off the vine and produces fruit. But that would have been very common for them. They all would have understood exactly what he was talking about. Like I said, we're going to have a picture up on the screen here in a little bit that I think will be helpful. But Jesus begins by just defining the analogy right away, so it's not confusing. In a little bit, he'll say, I am the vine and you are the branches. That's in verse 5. But right away in verse 1, Jesus says, I am the vine and my Father, God the Father, is the vine dresser, or your translation might say gardener. Okay? So there's a vine, and the vine is that which, which, which grows from the ground and out of which a branch grows from which fruit comes. Okay? And the vine dresser or the gardener is the one who's in charge of taking care of the, 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 the vine and the, and the branches. Okay? So Jesus is defining that right off the bat. It's interesting that Jesus says it this way because throughout most of the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, when Jesus talks, or when God talks about a vine or a vineyard, typically the vine or the vineyard is Israel. And now Jesus, instead of using Israel as the vine or vineyard, is saying, I am the true vine. Right? And my father is the vine dresser. Now, verse 2, 
we go on and Jesus is going to make clear, which he's going to make even more clear in later verses, that there's two options when it comes to fruit-bearing branches. One is that, here's what it says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So it's possible that there are branches that are not bearing any fruit. And the result then is that those branches would be taken away. But every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Okay? So you see the two options there? One is there's a branch that does not bear any fruit. What happens to that branch? It's taken away. More on that later in verse 6. There's another way, though. There, There are also branches that do bear fruit. And if there's a branch that's bearing fruit, what the vine dresser would do is that, that they would not just kind of let it go, but they would, they would do the hard work of gardening, which includes the work of pruning, of cutting off certain parts of a branch that's still alive and still growing, not cutting off the whole branch, but cutting off certain parts, making cuts that would cause even more fruit to come. Okay, so still, he's not even getting into application. This is still just the metaphor. Already you are clean, he says, because of the word that I have spoken to you. He's making it clear here that he's talking to his disciples, those who have heard and have believed his word. Now verse 4 says this. He's kind of starting to make some application now of this metaphor. He says this to his disciples. Abide in me. Live in me. Remain in me. And I in you. Why? As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So if I were able to hold up to you uh, some sort of vine, and you can imagine this, can't you? And there's a branch connected to it. If the branch is not connected to the vine, we're not expecting that that branch is going to produce any fruit. But if a branch is connected to a vine, and it's the kind of plant that is to bear fruit, we would expect it to be bearing fruit. And so there's a requirement, if a branch is going to bear any fruit, if they're going to see any results, how's that going to happen? What has to be connected to, in a vital relationship with, abiding in, remaining in, living in the vine. Talk more about what this means and some applications of it here in a second, but I've got two more verses I want to look at before we get to application. Verse 5, I, uh, you know, thinking of the fact that, that, Jesus maybe had vines and branches right around him as he was sharing this with his disciples. Maybe not, but they could easily picture all of this. I was like, well, Jesus is using a picture, so I should draw a picture. And I tried, and it was lame. I was like, well, that's not going to be very helpful. And so I just realized, I was like, hey, wait, we have an art teacher in our church now. Uh, and so I contacted Chelsea, and, and I, she's like, oh, yeah, I can sketch that really quick. And so here's what a quick sketch looks like from her. Um, and, and so, so she made this, yeah, she's not even here, but, um, but here, here's her quick sketch of here's what the vine and the branches could look like. I am the vine, Jesus says, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. You see a basket there overflowing with fruit. Why is it that that branch is able to bear fruit? Only because that branch is connected to that vine, Right? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, what Jesus is saying is not that, that apart from him, absolutely nothing can ever be accomplished. 
I think what he means there is nothing of eternal value. Because all sorts of people can accomplish all sorts of things. But apart from him, we can accomplish nothing that's of eternal value. Uh, everlasting, eternal kind of fruit. Fruit that will last. Only comes when we are connected with Jesus. Again, more application on this in a moment. But we got one more verse yet to look at before we get there. And that is verse 6 that paints a totally different picture. And so Chelsea sketched out a very different contrasting picture to help us understand verse 6. So go ahead and look at that picture. Is it up on the screen? Oh, we jumped way too far ahead. I just flashed through it. There we go. Verse 6 says this. Jesus says, if anyone does not abide in me, if there is not a vital, connected relationship with Jesus, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. So Jesus is saying something that makes a lot of sense, common sense-wise, doesn't it? When we moved into our home in South Dakota a number of years ago, there were three fruit trees in the backyard. One of them was an apple tree. And that apple tree was not bearing any fruit. And so I began cutting the branches down one by one. And I was not at all hopeful that the branches that I had cut off and laid there on the ground, I was not hoping if I just leave that on the ground long enough, we're going to get us some good apples. There was no hope of getting apples from that branch anymore because that branch had been cut off from the tree. And so that branch was loaded up on somebody's trailer, taken to a dump where I assumed it would burn. Jesus is sharing this hard reality here in verse 6. That if, if, if there is no living, vital relationship with Jesus, you are not connected to the vine. You're like a branch who will not bear any fruit and therefore will be gathered up, taken away, thrown away, and burned. Grateful that Jesus tells the truth even when it's hard to swallow. You see the importance? Do you see how vital it is for us to have a relationship with Jesus? Just to help us be clear on the two options that we've seen here. I took those two pictures. I put my little chart next to it because I like those little things. But it helps me understand, right? Maybe you too. Here's the two options. One, if we abide in him, we'll bear fruit. We begin to bear fruit. You know what he does? He prunes, which sounds a little painful, but the purpose is that we would bear more fruit. Do you see the difference between the cutting off of a branch and the pruning of a branch? One, the purpose is that it would bear more fruit. The other is, is that apart from him, we bear no fruit and will therefore be taken away and burned. Again, we see clearly from Jesus the importance of being in relationship with him. Now, a lot of times I can think of many applications and I kind of focus in on one. Pray that, God, would you help me to focus in on this one application that's going to be the most helpful for the most people that I'm talking to this morning. This week, I couldn't decide on one. I couldn't decide, like, oh, I'm going to go with this one. There's so many applications of this passage. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to just walk through five of them that I thought of really quickly and I want you to write down and maybe even circle, this is the one I need to hear. Because probably not all of these will be especially helpful to all of us. But maybe one of them will be. And so 
five quick applications of the vine and the branches metaphor that Jesus uses in verses 1 through 6. Application number one is this. Many of us can even look at our own lives or at the lives of people that we love and recognize there has not been any fruit that has been visibly born for many years. In this case, we need to come to grips with the reality that sometimes people are not bearing fruit and haven't for some time because they are not in Christ. Isn't that a logical assumption to make from this passage? Right? That one of the reasons that, that people can be living this life and maybe even professing a faith in Jesus but not bearing fruit, there's no evidence in this person's life that they are living in a vital, connected relationship with Jesus. It might be because they're not actually, even though they might profess it, they might not actually be in a vital, living relationship with Jesus. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7. He says, So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. By your fruit you will know them. So the fruit or lack of fruit is a sign that points back to whether or not there's a relationship with Jesus. that make sense? And it doesn't do us any good to kind of give false assurance to somebody in whom we see no evidence or no fruit that there is a relationship with Jesus in their life. These are hard to swallow. 1 John 2.19, John, the same one who wrote John's gospel, would later write and remind people of this. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. Somebody who has a relationship with Jesus is not somebody who went through one act one time a long time ago and that's it. They were baptized at one point. They were confirmed at one point. They, they, they prayed a prayer uh, at some point. Somebody who has a vital connecting relationship with Jesus is one who remains in Jesus. And over time, there will be fruit that is born. Some needed to wrestle with that application point, and so you might need to circle that one. But you don't know if you need to circle it yet because I haven't gone through the other four. So here's number two. We'll go through these more quickly. Number two application point could be this. Okay, so he tells us, abide in me. Well, a great question to ask would be, how am I supposed to do that? How do I abide in you as you abide in me? You told me that you abide in me. When we trust in him, he comes to abide in us. But how do we abide in him? I think just some basic habits. Habits like communication. If you want to be in a relationship with anybody, you need to communicate, right? If you're going to be in a relationship with someone, you need to communicate. How does God communicate to us? Through his word. How do we communicate to God? In prayer. Right? So, so, so this is the same stuff that you learned in first grade Sunday school if you went to Sunday school in first grade, right? What are the answers? Read your Bible, pray, and go to church, right? This is how, this is how, these are the main tools that God has given us. The body of Christ, the word of God, and, and an opportunity to come before him in prayer. We, we practice those things. We make those things a habit in our life. And that's how we abide or continue or remain in that vital relationship with Jesus. Number three, you've been a believer for some time. 
it's not that like you graduated and, and this, this, this can become the way that we can, we would never say this out loud, but we can start to think, like we can kind of feel like we're kind of running on autopilot. I, I've got to teach this Sunday school class. I'm going to meet with another believer. I'm going to share the gospel with an unbeliever. And we can, we can kind of come into those with a sense of kind of casualness, not feeling the weight that's been placed on us forgetting that apart from him we can do nothing. So we fail to pray regularly. Don't get arrogant. If you've been a believer for some time, it's still true for you that apart from him we can do nothing. Number four, can you produce a lot of fruit on your own? You don't get a bountiful harvest from one branch, right? It's a whole bunch of branches that produce together a bountiful harvest. We have this privilege of being a part of the body of Christ. There's not just a vine, Jesus, and one branch stuck in that vine. There are many vines so that much fruit can be born. We must work together as the body of Christ, multiple branches producing fruit. We need each other. And number five, the point for us to be making, going through pain and trials, question mark, while we may quickly assume, and a lot of people do, maybe it's teaching that you've had, maybe it's just a lot of people assume if there's pain and trial in my life, this is, this is the work of Satan, and I need to pray and believe in faith that God's going to take this away. I don't know if that's a biblical idea. Sometimes it might be from Satan, but oftentimes it might be God's pruning work being done in our life. That we are going through pain and we are going through trials, and it's the work of God doing that pruning, which isn't very comfortable to have parts of you kind of taken off. Why is he doing it, though, according to verse 2, you remember? Those who bear fruit, what does he do? He prunes that they may bear more fruit. God uses, and you're talking about this in the women's Sunday school class today, that, that part of God's purpose for trials in our life is that they would be used for us then to be pruned, to become more and more Christ-like, that we might be more helpful to other people and God might bear fruit through the p- trials and pain that come to us in our lives. Grateful that the women are going to be kind of focused on that. The men are really going to be focused on part of the application we talked about was we need to be in a vital relationship with Jesus. How do we do that? Through the Word and through prayer and through being with His people. That's what we're focusing on in the men's Sunday school class. Right? So we're going to train us on 9 o'clock Sunday mornings, be here. We're going to train men in this room, women in this room, children all over the place, being trained at what it looks like to live in a vital relationship with Jesus. All right, point number two. We're going to look at verses 7 to 17 and see four signs of life in Jesus. We're going to go through these a bit more quickly. This is a great passage. We could have spent a lot of time here. But we need to keep going. So, verses 7 and 8. Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. So there's a condition there. See, it begins with if. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It will come up again in verse 15 or 16, so we'll talk about it more there. But you notice, Jesus isn't just saying, hey, I'm a genie in the bottle. You pray with the right formula, I'll pop out and give you whatever you want. That's not what he's saying. There's a condition here. 
if you abide in me and my words abide in you. See, when we live in a vital relationship with Jesus, we begin to want what he wants. So that when we're praying, we're not just praying for our own selfish desire. We're praying in accordance with the will of God. So that relationship is the foundation for our praying. And as we pray in that way, we will be given what it is that we ask for as it is prayer done in the will of God. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. More on that later. Verse 8, though, kind of, I think, forms the backdrop for the Verses that follow before we look at these four signs. Verse 8 is simply this. By this, my Father is glorified. By what? He's going to say that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. One of the ways that we glorify God, we magnify his greatness when we are simply branches connected to the vine that are bearing much fruit. And that's also the way we prove to be his disciples. That's not the way we become his disciples, okay? Don't get confused. We don't become his disciples by, bearing, by, by seeing lots of results in our life. But one of the reasons, one of the ways that we prove ourselves to be his disciples is that we bear much fruit. And this is all glorifying to him. And so... What are some of the signs that we are his disciples? What are some of the proofs? I could have said this lots of ways. What are some of the proofs that we're his disciples? What are some of the signs that we have life in Jesus? What are some, what are some ways, that? what are some fruit that helps us to see that we are vitally connected to Jesus divine? I see four things in the verses that follow. There might be more there, but here's the four that I see. Verse 9 says this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I think sign number one, the kind of fruit that you would see, that you could say, yes, that person is a disciple of Jesus, it's when you see that person being obedient to Jesus. Right? And Jesus just makes this clear. Again, he's using a, a picture of his relationship with the Father and his relationship with us as the ground for all of this. He says, the Father has loved me, and I have loved you. How does Jesus show his love for the Father? He keeps his commands, abiding in the love of the Father by keeping his commands. How are we to abide in Jesus' love? By keeping his commands. We saw this in Chapter 14, verse 15, you might remember, Jesus says, if you love me, what? You will keep my commandments, right? So obedience is a fruit, a sign that this person is in a vital relationship with Jesus. When we are in a real life-giving relationship with Jesus, we want to obey. That's how we love. That's how we abide in his love, by obeying, by keeping his commandments. Again, that's not how we get in, but that's how we know that we are. And we are people who desire to obey. Sign number two. These things I have spoken to you, Jesus says. I love this verse. That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Don't believe the lie for a second. That, that when you submit yourself to Jesus as Lord, when, when you seek to be obedient to him, that life suddenly becomes dull and, and all the joy is sucked right out of it. No, he's the one who made us. He's the one who redeemed us. And he's the one who knows what's going to make us happy. And so he gives us these commands. Why? 
that his joy may be in us and that our joy may be full. How do we get full joy? By abiding in the love of Jesus and obeying his commands. This is where joy comes from. That's why Jesus shares all of this, that his joy would be in us and that our joy may be full. And so some quick application of this, really quick before we move on. You know that old hymn, uh, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I think that's a good, I can't remember all the lyrics, but the, the chorus is good, right? Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. When, when we And this, this kind of like grates against a couple of things. We are sinners by nature, and most of us are Americans as well. This has been our, we've been raised in this culture. And so to be told that to trust and obey is where we're going to find happiness, we like to think that we're independent, we're free, and that's what makes us happy. I'm happy because I'm free, right? But when we're told that unless you're connected to Jesus, if you're free, if you're a branch that's free, what does that mean? means you're a branch that's laying on the ground, you're going to be thrown into the fire, right? We are, we are utterly dependent. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. And so, so we like to feel independent, but the reality is we're very dependent. If we want to see anything in our life happen of eternal value, we are dependent on Jesus for that. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Our culture would tell us we're happy when we're independent and when we call the shots. And Jesus says, you're going to be happy when you're dependent on me and I'm calling the shots, when I'm Lord. There'd be more application than this for parenting and stuff. Just, you know, a really quick one. Parents, God has given you a role of authority in the lives of your kids. One of the things that you get a chance to do is you get a chance to teach your kids that authority is a gift from God, right? That, that they, they're, they're kids, and, and they think that if they get to do whatever they want, they're going to be happy. But if we let kids do whatever they want, they're not going to be happy. And so we need to make it clear in a loving, gentle kind of way that God has put us in their lives as an authority, as a good gift from him, teaching kids from a young age that to trust and obey is a way to be happy, to submit yourself to another, right? This is a biblical kind of idea. We could go into more detail on that, but we've got to keep going. Sign number three, the fruit of love for one another. Another sign that you have life in Jesus is that we love one another. Jesus talks about this in verses 12 to 15. You see the commandments there? Love one another as I have loved you. Again, he reminds us, what does love look like? He's told us this before. It looks like laying down our life. Jesus loved his disciples. Jesus knew he was loved by the Father, so what was he going to do? He was going to lay down his life for them. What do we do for one another? How do we love one another? We lay down our lives for one another. We give up our own personal desires, our own money, our own time, whatever it is, because we love others. We're going to give it up for the sake of someone else. And so I kind of use that same little illustration from before. You can see it up on the screen. Just change at the bottom. We are called then to love one another. That's what it looks like to abide in his love. He gave us uh, a summary of the commandments. First commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Right? 
as we love one another, we are showing, we are proving to be, we are, we are showing a sign that we are in a vital relationship with Jesus. And then finally, sign number four, verses 16 and 17. Those who are living in a vital relationship with Jesus will see answered prayer in their lives. Not always in the time that we would want it to come, not always in the way we would want it to come, but we will see answered prayer as we abide in Jesus. Now, um, did I, I skip something super important. The part where Jesus says, you're my friend. <laughs> That's really important. Did you catch that in there? Jesus said, I don't call you a servant. You're my, you're my friend. He's defining this relationship that he has with them. I'm laying down my life for you. You're my friend. I'm not your harsh bond, bond master. You're not my slave, my bond servant. You, you willingly submit yourself to me, but you do so as a friend. So there's still authority in that relationship. But what a beautiful thing that Jesus would look at his disciples and call us friends. All right, now sign number four. Because you can get a little puffed up, can't you? If Jesus, the Savior of the world, looks at you and says, we're friends. Kind of like, yeah, that's right. He, yeah, yeah. We're friends. I must, quite, I must be something, you know. But he would call me a friend. And so Jesus humbles them with this statement. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. What pur- for what purpose? That you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So again, that, that picture, like we talked about before, of us living in this relationship so that we can bear fruit. And in that relationship, we're, we're in the process of asking for things that go in accordance with his will. Ask whatever you wish in the Father's my name, in, in, my, in my name to the Father, and he may give it to you. And then verse 17, these things I command you that you will love one another. Right, so, so one of the fruits that we see here of a vital relationship with Jesus, we're people that pray and we see God answer prayer. We give God thanks for that. It's one of the fruits of being a disciple of Jesus. When we abide in Jesus, we hear his word, we obey his word, we pray in his name. We're dependent on him for all things, and we see. And so that's one thing I would love for us to do more and more, church, that we would just individually and corporately recognize how completely dependent we are, that we would give ourselves more and more to prayer, that we would really believe that apart from him we can do nothing, that we would recognize that people who who are not living in a vital living relationship with Jesus might be branches that are cut off and in danger of being thrown away and burned. That we would be people who would proclaim clearly the good news of Jesus. That he has come and he has given us a way himself by which we can be in relationship with God. And God will do a work in and through us over time. We will begin to see fruit be born. Here's four signs of what that might look like. There's many other examples in scripture. But we want to see God bear fruit. Now, if you walk away uh, from this with one thing, I hope probably what you walk away with is just this. Lord, I, I need you. 
some of us need to confess, I've been thinking I can accomplish a bunch of stuff on my own. I simply can't. God, I need you. I'm stumbling. I'm falling over the same thing again and again. God, I need you. Like, I don't just need you when, uh, when times are getting tough and I need somebody to lean on like a crutch. I need you, like, now. And I need you at about 1 o'clock and again at about 2 o'clock and about 2.30 I, I need you all the time. So we're going to sing that to close, just to confess that. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. Right? We do. He's the vine. We're the branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Let's pray together. Father, uh, thanks for that reminder again this morning. I just lay myself, we lay ourselves at your feet. Asking that you would work in us, that you would cause fruit to come. For those that are maybe frustrated, frustrated today because they feel like they've been living for a long season without seeing a lot of fruit, I pray that they would not give up on abiding in you. Pray that those that are currently uh, a branch laying on the ground, that they would recognize that their only hope is to be in Jesus. They would hear the good news that Jesus died, that we might live in a forever relationship with him. Sin washed away, connected forever to him. In your presence forever, God, that's, that's our desire. We long for that. And as we live and we seek to be faithful servants, faithful friends in the coming week of Jesus, we know we need you. And so so whatever, whatever burden is on our heart, whatever we recognize uh, about that this morning, I pray that we bring that to you even as we sing this song together. In Jesus' name.